Macworld Podcast, number 15, November 16th, 2005. Hey, all you Macheads out there, welcome back to the Macworld Podcast. I'm your host, Saruz Faravar. Today, we are going to be talking about Automator. I know I had previewed the Automator interview with Sal Sagoyan in our last two podcasts, and we're going to be having that. But before we get to that, I wanted to do a quick interview that I did with uh, Mr. Dan Miller, the executive editor of Macworld Magazine. He's got some insight onto some of the gifts that are in this month's gear guide. We've got a big cover story if you haven't gotten it as a subscriber already or picked it up off the newsstand. And we've got it posted all up on our website, so be sure and check it out. We'll have that link in the show notes, of course. We've got a whole bunch of gifts, uh, gifts and gear ideas for you know yourselves or somebody else. As Dan explains in the interview, you know whether you're working in an office or whether you're working at home or whether you're a student or whether you have children, we've got all kinds of different kinds of things. So we're going to cut right now to the interview with Dan Miller talking about the gear guide. All right, I'm here with uh, MacWorld's executive editor, Dan Miller. Dan, how you doing? I'm just fine. And we're sitting here looking at our, in our December issue, the gear guide, and Dan's going to talk to us a little bit about some of his favorites from this month's gear guide. So um, what we did was we, we asked our editors to go out and just find some of the coolest products they, they'd seen recently or heard about, uh, particularly for different kinds of people. Like we, we asked people to find stuff for road warriors, anybody who uses their Mac on the road, uh, kids and parents, uh, digital music fans, photography fans, those kinds of things. And they came back with a whole lot of different suggestions, and we went through all of those and kind of came up with a list of the ones we liked the best. So, for example, on, uh, in the Road Warrior section, Dan Frakes suggested this uh, Fin and Light 70-watt power adapter from Kensington. The cool thing about this is that you can take one power adapter on the road, and it'll plug in basically anywhere, uh, any AC outlet. Um, you can plug your PowerBook, iBook, or iPod into. Um, so it's just like an all-in-one yeah, AC it's adapter? An all-in-one, it's an all-in-one power adapter. And it's like the name says, it's thin and light, so you don't have to, it's, it's a light little thing you can take along instead of a bunch of different power adapters. So, and that's uh, 120 bucks from Kensington, not cheap, but it's, it's, if, if you're on the road a lot, it's going to save you a lot of, a lot of uh, shoulder pain. Now talk to us a little bit about the um, – there was one thing that you wanted to clarify with a microscope that came up in our kids' section. Uh, yes. Tell us a little bit about that. Ah, yes, the microscope. We recommended the QX5 microscope from – I'm trying to find it here. Uh, the company is Digital Blue. And what happened was is that anybody who went to the Digital Blue website, which is uh, www.playdigitalblue.com, would uh, have seen that the QX5 computer microscope, it said what the uh, system requirements were. Uh, it required Windows. Well, that, that was a problem. Uh, it turns out you could download some software that would make the thing work on a Mac as well. There's OS X software. But what happened was between the time we wrote it and the time we published it, the company changed that software from freeware to shareware. So now you're asked to contribute 15 bucks if you download that software. So we're going to issue a, 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 an edit on that review uh, online to make it clear that you do, in fact, have to pay some money to get the software, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, that, that sucks when things go from free to pay. Uh, there are a couple of the OS, particularly when it's the OS 10 version that you have to pay for, and, and you get the, the Windows software for free with the microscope. Yeah, that's especially lame. Yes. You were talking to me earlier about uh, this Hasbro iDog that your daughter really likes. Why, do, why does she like it so much, and what does it do exactly? 
And this is on page 72 of the December issue, by the way. Yeah, you, um, it's a little thing from Hasbro. You plug your iPod into it, um, and it's, uh, it's a little plastic dog. And its ears wag, and its head wags in time sort of to the music. And these little lights, uh, colored lights on the face light up uh, also in time to the music. And it's, that's all it does. It's got a really little speaker on it, so you can kind of sort of play your iPod through it. But it basically all it does is wag its head. And Sounds yeah. like you don't really see the appeal to this thing. No, but I'm not an 11-year-old girl, so, I mean, she thinks this is just the greatest thing ever. Um, that, along with another thing we have in there called the Is, which is uh, from a company called Zizzle, uh, does sort of the same thing, only this one makes sort of obnoxious comments about your music as, as you're playing it. So as you're playing, it's got a little speaker in its belly. and as Which is not very good. No, it's not a good speaker at all. But if you know you want somebody to make obnoxious comments about your music while you're listening to it, go go. Re- anyway, it's a fun gift for. It, it, that's what it's for. It's just a fun gift. If you're looking for something to buy somebody and you just don't know what to get them, think about the is or the i dog. I'm telling you. Now on the next page, on page 73, something that actually does play music pretty well is the iHome Audio iH5, and this was also featured in this month's virtual CD. Dan, have you actually used this thing? Uh, I haven't, but John Seff and Dan Frakes have, and they both report that they absolutely love the thing. Um, John Seff has says he's he's got one in his home. He's using it all the time to play his iPod. It's a it's an alarm clock. It's a AM FM radio, and it also it also charges your iPod overnight, so you can um, you know wake up and and it's all charged up. And uh, the speakers are apparently quite decent, and it's only hundred bucks, so you get you know a pretty decent little gizmo uh, for your iPod. And from what John told me earlier, I think it has different adapters, so you can fit different models of the yeah. iPod in the in the actually base of the thing. That's that's what I understand too. Yeah, so it's it's a great little thing for whatever kind of iPod you got. Great. Any other last ones that you'd want to take us say, through? My favorite in the whole in the whole package is uh, they call it the Power Squid. Um, uh, actually, it's the Power Squid Outlet Multiplier. You know how you have those power bricks for all your all your gear, and how if you have, say, a power strip or something like that, or an extension cord, you can only fit one or two of them on there. Well, this thing, it's it's a it's an extension cord, but then it's got these like tentacles coming out, and you plug your adapter into one of the tentacles, and so you can actually fit five power adapters on this one extension cord. So it actually it's a really handy thing. And, and who who wrote this up? Oh, you did. Sarus did. Um, and it's only 15 bucks, and it's a really useful thing. So uh, I highly recommend this one. Yeah, I think that's also one of my favorites, too. We also picked that uh, as a, one of our featured items for the virtual CD as well. So if you have access to the virtual CD, uh, it's on page six of this month's gear guide in the December issue. And uh, we appreciate Dan Miller for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you, Dan. No problem. And that was Dan Miller, executive editor of Macworld, talking about this month's gear guide. And now the moment you've all been waiting for, we're going to be talking about Automator. I was able, thanks to our editorial director, Jason Snell, get an interview with Sal Segoyan, who is the product manager of Automator down at Apple Computer. And he was very kind enough to take some time out of his schedule to talk to us about Automator. And so we're just going to let Sal explain what Automator is. Um, well, Sal Segoyan, thank you so much for being on the Macro Podcast. We greatly appreciate your taking the time to speak with us about Automator. It's great to be here. Thank you. Um, Sal Segoyan, of course, is the Automator product manager over at Apple Computer down in Cupertino, just uh, about 45 or so miles south of San Francisco. And Sal, I just wanted to start off, I think for someone who hasn't heard of Automator, someone who has Tiger installed in their machine, can you give them a sense of 
why they should bother. You know, I, I mean, I think for most people, Apple Script, you know, was sort of daunting in a way. How is Automator different? Well, there's a lot to that question. Uh, Automator is a great tool that ships with Tiger. It's on every machine, and it helps you automate what you do on your computer every day. And all of us, everybody, from somebody working in an office, from somebody doing a, in a creative studio, we all share tasks that we do repetitively every day. And Automator is a great tool for helping you solve some of those constant workflows that you do over and over again. Now, it differs from AppleScript uh, considerably. Uh, with AppleScript, even being an approachable English-like language for automation that it is, it still has a, a learning curve or a learning barrier. And with Automator, we try to reduce the height of that barrier down to being the size of a curb. And if you understand two basic concepts, you can get Automator. The first concept being that uh, what you want to automate involves a series of steps called the workflow, and that during that workflow, uh, information is passed between each step of, of the workflow. It's kind of like uh, um, making a recipe where each step in the recipe is a certain action that you take, like chop the carrots or uh, chop the celery and chop the onions, then combine to a mirepoix. So if you can follow the idea of, of making a recipe and defining the various steps of the recipe in the order that they go in, you can easily understand Automator and use it to help you out on the computer. What kinds of things do you use Automator for in your sort of everyday work life? Well, I use Automator in an amazing variety of ways, uh, you know, being intimately involved in its development. I always look for creative ways to use it and ways that it can save me time. And one of the interesting ways I just recently started using Automator was with GarageBand. I'm also a professional musician, and I use uh, an Apple laptop in GarageBand to play through with my MIDI guitar on my gigs. And one of the things I like to do is open up a GarageBand project with a certain background soundtrack or rhythm section for myself. And I like to start the project playing, then implement a repeat so that the middle section will repeat. Well, I made an automator workflow with that and was able to just put it into a menu. So now when I need to call up a certain song, I select it from the menu. It automatically adjusts the volume, automatically sets the tempo, starts off playing, and I can go. At work, I use it in a variety of ways. I use it to uh, you know, make reports, which we have to do all the time. And it helps me a lot in gathering information from the Internet and combining it to use in different projects. I use it a lot when I'm working with images and I need to resize them or crop them and uh, put them into various collections. So there's always, there's always new ways that you can use Automator, and it, it just has a scope that covers just about everything that the computer does. For someone who's just trying to get into Automator and maybe wants to sort of try out their first, uh, you know, um, Automator script or Automator action uh, for the first time, what would be something that you would recommend for them? How should they get started? It's easy to get started with Automator. Their Automator itself, when you open it up, on the left-hand column has some example workflows that you can open up and look at and, and run yourself. And then there are some great resources available for Automator. Automator has a very wide acceptance. 
the first place to go is go to the Apple website for Automator, and you'll see on the right-hand side are some links to example workflows, and there's a workflow there for renaming files that makes a great introductory lesson into how to use Automator. And by the end of that workflow, you fully understand the concepts of how Automator is, and you've made a, a great tool for yourself. There's also websites like AutomatorActions.com, AutomatorWorld, Automator.us, and these websites provide collections of extra actions you can add to Automator to increase its abilities. They provide tutorials. They have online communities where you can go to discuss your issues and problems with other people using Automator as well. So uh, first thing to do is just you know visit the Apple website, uh, try out the beginner's tutorial, and learn the concepts, and then just jump right in and have some fun with it. Now, you've probably – how many Automator – is it actions or scripts? What's the proper terminology? <laughs> I know. When people think about automation, they usually think about Apple scripts. So some of the terminology from Apple scripts is crept in there. But the basic concept of Automator is that you create a workflow okay, that workflow. contains actions – and each action is, is a step in the workflow. I see. Okay. So you've, mm -hmm. you've written probably how many different automated workflows, roughly? Oh, I think I lost count, <laughs> like, last year. So oh, yes. I've lost count. It, it's become second nature to me now. Mm -hmm. And that's the interesting part is... You know, I use the computer like everybody else uses the computer for work, for doing emails, for, you know, communicating, for calendaring, for, you know, scheduling. I, I use the computer like everybody else does. But what I've done now is I understand that when I get to a point of going, hmm, I wonder if there's an easier way to do this, I open up Automator and I start creating workflows for myself. And then once you've created a workflow, you can save it and reuse it or even share it with your your friends and coworkers. So needless to say, I'm a very popular guy over here in product marketing because all the guys are coming up all the time asking for, Sal, can you create a workflow for this? <laughs> well, you were telling me just before we started recording that uh, you had developed one that checked uh, traffic cams. When you come up with an idea for a workflow, how long does it take you between the time you have an idea and the time you have a workflow that's ready to use? Uh, not long. Because once you understand, like I say, once you understand the basic concepts of you're, you're creating a recipe and that, you know, each step in the recipe is an action, it doesn't take long for me to figure out what it is that I want to do and what steps are involved and turn that into a workflow. So let's take for the, the traffic, right, the traffic one. Yeah, explain so for the traffic know. one, you know, I was, I like everybody else is concerned about traffic because I live in Albany and I work in Cupertino. And I go to all the different standard web pages where they have a traffic cam, and, you know, traffic cam over here is better than the traffic cam on that page. And so I was having a collection of web pages open all the time in the morning as I'm sipping my coffee. And I said, well, wait a second. You know, each one of these traffic cams are sponsored by the state of California. I wonder if there's a set of URLs for these. And sure enough, there was a, a website by, you know, California Motor Vehicles and, and it had a list of these URLs. Well, I could take the URLs and put them in a list in Automator, then tell Automator to open up each one of those for me and then save that workflow as an iCal event so that every morning at 7.30 it, you know, fires up and I walk in with my coffee and there I could see the tragedies of the day of what I have to drive through. 
So it's a matter of me figuring out what kind of information needed to be used in the workflow and what order that needed to be done. Mm -hmm. In this case, it was the information needed to be URLs to various webcams, and the action that needed to be done was open them up. Right. That seems like a pretty useful and relatively simple... That's a a good point, if I may jump in. Uh, That's a really good point. Workflows don't have to be real complex to be very powerful. Naming the the basic renaming workflow that's in the beginner's tutorial really only contains like one or two steps to order, one or two actions, but it is incredibly useful when you're renaming hundreds of files on your desktop. And, you know, it doesn't ha- a workflow doesn't have to have ten steps to it. It can have two. It can even have one. It just depends on what it needs to do for you to solve your problem. Mm-hmm. What has been... What's been a, a surprising or, you know, different workflow that you've seen out there in the wild, maybe that, you know, you didn't think of or that you thought was a particularly innovative use of Automator? Uh, Jim Hyde had, a, had a, an article recently on creating the, a life poster, mm-hmm. which is a 20-by-30-inch uh, document composed of individual thumbnails of photos. And then you can use iPhoto, the store on iPhoto, to take that poster and have it printed out for you. So, for example, if you went to a friend's wedding and, and you had taken a whole roll or multiple rolls or flash memories of the wedding, you could sequence all those photos in order from when you got there to the end of the party and then create this life poster and print it out, have it shipped to the bride and groom as a, as a wedding gift. Really creative idea. I, I thought that was quite interesting way to use Automator. Well, I just wanted to remind our listeners that uh, on uh, this month's virtual CD in the December issue on page six, we have a list that of Automator actions, Automator workflows, I should say, that Sal has generously uh, shared with us. Um, so those are available on the Macworld uh, virtual CD. And um, I just want to thank you again, Sal, for taking the time to... Uh, you know, keep us up to date with Automator and, and help people use it better and would love to, to see some more workflows when you've got, you know, some new ones to share. You know, thank you so much for allowing me to be here, too, and thanks to Macworld for being a great publication over the years and for recognizing great technologies and supporting the way that you've done with Automator. We really appreciate that, and the whole scripting community and the automation community and all Mac users everywhere do appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks again, Sal. We'll hope to talk to you soon. Okay, ciao. And that wraps up our show, show number 15. We hope you enjoyed the segment on Automator and the Gear Guide. Once again, you can always email me at cfaravar at macworld.com. And also, make sure that you check out our next podcast, podcast number 16, which will be in two weeks. We're going to be interviewing Peter Cohen. He's going to give us a roundup of some of the best games from the past year and talk about what his favorites are and why he picked them. And he, of course, writes the blog uh, on Macworld.com, The Game Room, and he's our game columnist. And so he's got all the insight into all the games for Mac. So uh, feel free to send us comments, audio comments, comments on the forum, Just let us know what you think, and we hope to keep the podcast as good as we can make it. Signing off from San Francisco, this is Saru Svaravar with the Macworld Podcast.